Thank you for tuning into the third episode of Shorewood Public Library's podcast, The Shorewood Stacks. I'm Lisa Quintero, young adult librarian. Hi, my name is Nick Barron, and I am a patron and sometimes volunteer. In this podcast, we'll be discussing library news, what we've been reading, listening to, watching, and upcoming virtual events, and more. Before we get into the library news this week, I have a question or comment for Nick from listener Kate. Kate says, if Nick has been on Roll20 or something similar and knows tips for running a map, I'd love to hear them on a future episode. My D&D buds and I have been using Google Spreadsheets and Discord in conjunction, and navigating maps is kind of tough. Okay, so uh, I've, I've been thinking about this with having uh, done a lot of uh, gaming online in the last couple of weeks. So there are three main applications that people usually use for maps. Uh, one is Roll20, another is Fantasy Grounds, and another is Tabletop Simulator. Uh, Roll20 is really easy to use. That's the most popular, and it has a really easy uh, built-in map-building utility. There's Fantasy Grounds, which is a little bit more involved, and then uh, Tabletop Simulator actually allows you to build a 3D environment, um, but uh, it's also the least popular. All of them have built-in dice rollers and, and cool, fun stuff like that. But they also are a mix of free and for pay. So there's there's that going for it and going against it. But they are all, all neat applications. But I didn't use any of those for any of the gaming that I've done in the last couple of weeks. Instead, just like you, I use Discord, but I draw all of my maps by hand. Uh, so what I did was I took uh, the, the my hand-drawn maps, drawn on graph paper, and I took pictures of those maps with my phone. I then cropped each of those uh, each of those maps in Photoshop and turned them into little tiny JPEGs. As the adventure would progress, I would just uh, throw the image of what was happening uh, what was happening at the time up in the uh, Discord chat, allowing my players to be able to see exactly what was in front of them at the time. The nice thing about doing it that way also gave me the opportunity to really limit what they saw. So essentially, they would only see what room they were going into and the room that was behind them. They would have to scroll back through the chat to kind of remember what was taking place, which gives it kind of that old school feel where uh, back in the day, we used to hand draw the maps based upon what the dungeon master told us. So yeah, I think it's a uh, um, that is right now my preferred way to do it. Eventually, I'll mess with some of these more involved applications. But they are absolutely not necessary. If you've got a phone and the ability to crop an image, then yeah, you'll be able to just uh, just do it that way. Cool. Well, thank you for answering Kate's question. Uh, if you have questions or comments for our hosts, please send them to shorewoodstacks at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Shorewood Public Library, Twitter at Shorewood Lib, our website shorewoodlibrary.org, and on Podbean at shorewoodstacks.podbean.com. Library News. All right, so I am talking to our assistant director, Emily, uh, from the Shorewood Public Library, and she's going to tell us a little bit about how curbside pickup is going to work starting on April 27th. Yeah, we're pretty excited to um, be able to start getting library materials in people's hands again. I know people have been kind of anxiously awaiting when they can refresh what they've got at home to to watch or to read. Um, So we're ready to get started with it. Cool. So how exactly is it going to work? Yeah, so <laughs> this is a whole new, whole new world for us. So um, pretty much all of us on the library team have been working for the last week uh, to try to figure out how we can make this work for patrons. So um, the basic 
premise is um, a lot like what you've been doing if you've been ordering food from restaurants for curbside pickup or from other stores. Um, So you will give us a call um, during our open hours and um, you'll talk to our usual staff um, and a librarian will help you locate items that you want. You can look ahead of time in in County Cat and see if your items are here on the shelves at Shorewood um, and and have some things in mind. Or you could even call and say, like, get me something good to read or like, give me your favorite movie. Um, (laughs) And we'll we'll find those things for you. You can ask for up to five items right now. That's our limit. Um, And, uh, you know, we may explore expanding that if we can, but we're going to stick with five to begin with. Um, So you can ask us for up to five things. And um, when you call to make your request, you'll also schedule a time slot for yourself to come pick up your items. So you'll give us a sense of um, when in the next few days you can come. Um, You can probably come as soon as the next day. We can't really guarantee same day pickup right now, Um, but you'll be able to schedule a time um, within a half hour time frame. And uh, then when you arrive, you will give us a call. And a clerk is going to check out your stuff for you. And then we'll drop it outside the door um, with your hold shelf slip so you can identify that it's yours and also your due date receipt so you know exactly when your items are due. Um, and you'll just come grab it. So um, will you need your library card in order to check stuff out? Like, will you need to bring the actual physical card with you when you come to the library? Yeah, good question. So technically, you won't need to bring the physical library card because you're not going to be like, we're not going to scan it. We're not going to, you're not going to really see staff at all. Um, So we want to maintain some distance here. So patrons are just going to stay outside. Um, So basically, when you call um, to request your items, we will need your library card number, or we can look you up with your name and just have you verify um, a detail about yourself. So we know we've pulled up the right library account. Um, And so that's at that point, we'll make sure that your card is in good standing um, and that we can check items out to you. We're going to be really pretty lax. Um, McFliss has already done some great things. They um, renewed a lot of library cards that had expired from um, September 2019 and onwards. If your card expired before then, we should be able to give you um, a cushion and let you still use your card and have it expire probably at the end of June. Um, so we can address that at that time. If you happen to have fines on your card that are over $5, typically that would block you from checking out. But right now we're going to be using our judgment. Um, you know, a lot of people prefer to pay in person versus paying on County Cat. We know people aren't, maybe aren't working and maybe feeling the financial strain right now. Um, so we're not going to, um, you know, force you to pay every cent of your fine at this time. Um, we should be able to give a little bit of leniency and let people check out even if you have a little bit of money on your card and fines, but we're probably going to take that as it comes. Um, so, you know, you can kind of go into it with as much knowledge as you have. Like if you know you have fines, let us know when you call and, and we'll try to figure something out to, to help. That sounds good. Um, what about digital cards? Cause I know like right now in the interim, we've been issuing some digital cards. Do you, can you check out items with those? Yeah. So you technically can't, we need to um, make that a full access card before you can check out physical items on it. Um, but we're hoping that we can do that for you kind of <laughs> through the window. So um, we do need to see like a photo ID in order to make that digital card a full access library card. And so um, I'm hoping that when this comes up, if it comes up, we can work something out and have people just show us their um, photo ID through the window. Um, if you've been to Shorewood Library, you know that um, we have a nice big window that looks right into our staff area 
one of our clerks is going to be stationed there doing some work. And so they should be in a good position to, to see your ID through your window. If you can kind of walk right up and hold it, we should be able to do what we need to do to make your card full access and let you check out. Um, it won't have your signature on it. So we'll get that, you know, at a later time when you can actually come into the library and provide us a physical signature. But but that's OK. We can we can, um, you know, extend that leniency again. Like I said, with with fines and expiration dates and all this, we'll we'll try to find a way to make it work for people. OK. And what about social distancing measures? So like if I come to pick up my hold and there are other people there, are there going to be like markings on the floor kind of? Yeah, good question. Us? Yeah, good question. We know, especially here in Troy, we have tons of people. Um, if the weather's nice, which hopefully it gets nice again, <laughs> um, we have tons of people who bike and walk and get to the library that way um, and maybe aren't driving. So, you know, you aren't in kind of the safety of your own vehicle. Um, so you might be waiting outside for items. And we are going to have um, some um, marks on the sidewalk to help people understand the distance they need to maintain between others. Um, so we'll start with some chalk marks for that. And if that proves to be um, a good measure and useful to us, then we'll make those a little bit more permanent. Um, have our, our friends at the Department of Public Works help us out, um, maybe with some signage or something a little more permanent than chalk, which will which will wash off in, in a rainy day. But we'll start with that to try to help give people some guidelines so they know kind of where to stand and wait for their items. Um, and then people who drive, too. Um, obviously, like I said, you know, if you drive, you're kind of in the safety of your car. Um, but we'll have some parking spaces um, designated for you to pull into our usual um, ADA or 15-minute parking spots right near the front of the library are going to be designated for um, where you can pull up um, to wait for your items. So if I forget, like, all the instructions before I pull up, <laughs> is there going to be a sign there to kind of remind me of what I'm supposed to do? Yes, there sure will be because, yeah, of course, everyone's going to be like, wait, where am I supposed to call? Who do I – where do I do – What? how do I do this? So, um, yes, there will be signs um, on the windows, on the doors, nice and big, as big as we can make them, um, helping you remember – what number to call when you arrive and kind of what to do. And then, of course, you'll, you'll get to a staff member as soon as you call, um, although give us patience if we don't answer right away. <laughs> we, uh, we will, you know, help remind you of like, okay, where we'll put your items and don't forget to kind of um, stand a little bit distant from other people if there's others out there, et cetera. So, yeah, we'll, we'll help you through that. Don't worry. <laughs> And what other measures are we taking right now to kind of maintain people's health? Are we quarantining books when they come back? Um, what are the, the people who are handling the books doing? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I know there's been definitely some concerns about that in the library community. Um, and that's, you know, part of the reason that that library is closed, too. Um, but we have had our book drops open this whole entire time, and we've been receiving returns the entire time. Um, so what we do with those items is we're following guidelines. Um, that uh, have established that COVID-19 is no longer um, uh, contagious after um, on hard surfaces after 72 hours. And so uh, most of our materials, the outside of them is a hard plastic non-porous surface. So you think of like the shiny cover on books or the plastic cover of, of CDs or DVDs. The inside is obviously of books is more porous and that the virus lasts even less time on that um, type of surface. So um, we use that 72-hour guideline, and basically um, a staff member will remove items from the book drop. That person is using gloves and a mask to keep themselves safe and also keep the items from getting contaminated should that person be um, carrying the virus at all. So we remove items from the book drop, and we basically let them sit on a cart. We don't touch them again for 72 hours. 
after that time has passed, then we check them in. And then we, we handle them as we normally would. We organize them onto carts and get them back to our shelves. So you can feel comfortable that anything you're getting um, from pickup has already been um, handled really carefully and should be absolutely free of any type of germ um, that would be contagious or infectious. So um, you can feel pretty confident. And then staff that are in the building, we're absolutely using precaution, precautionary measures, um, washing our hands lots, hand sanitizer when we can't wash our hands, keeping really um, distant from each other. So that's part of why we'll have minimal staff in the building is so we can have people, you know, not working in really close proximity to one another. Mm -hmm. um, And then being really careful when they handle materials as well. So um, using gloves if that's appropriate, but really what we've heard from the North Shore Health Department is washing hands, washing hands, washing hands. So that's what we'll be doing. And we actually do that a lot already at the library because we, <laughs> you know, we, we touch stuff all the time um, in normal life. And so um, we actually are all pretty good about doing that normally. So I think you can feel pretty confident. Yeah, I think I wash my hands like 50 times a day sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Between like touching shared like computers to like all the books and stuff that we touch. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we yeah. definitely, <laughs> we've all already had really dry hands before this started. <laughs> so uh, can people who aren't shore residents request items from us? Yeah, anyone with a valid Milwaukee County um, Public Library card can request items from Shorewood, and same Shorewood residents can go to other libraries in the county that are doing curbside pickup and use their service as well. Um, that's kind of the only way you'll be able to get stuff from other libraries right now. So um, we're hopeful that uh, people will kind of kind of drive around if they need something from a different library or if they want to come here to our library and they don't live in Shorewood. That's totally fine. Cool. Um, and then you said that you, they could call during open hours. So are hours going to be the same or are they going to be different? Yeah, they're going to be a little bit different. Um, so we're planning to be open for five hours a day, six days a week. Um, so we've got some morning hours in there. So Mondays and Wednesdays will open at, at 9 a.m. Um, we'll be open till 2. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays are going to be our evening hours. So those will be from 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. And then Fridays and Saturdays um, are kind of going to be our middle of the day hours where we'll open from 10 to 3. We're hopeful that those hours will kind of meet everyone's needs right away. But obviously, if we feel like demand is too high or we're not really reaching people, um, then we can always tweak those hours. Mm-hmm. So we talked about how we can get stuff from other libraries, or we can't get stuff from other libraries right now unless you go to the library directly. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, you can't place holds in County Cat right now or on the County Cat mobile app, um, which I know is like heartbreaking for so many people because that's how we love to, to use our library. And we're so used to that being one of the greatest things about our library system is being able to place holds and get stuff pretty quickly. But there's, there's no delivery between libraries really right now. Um, and uh, since some libraries haven't had their drops open and some libraries haven't had any staff in for the last like six, seven weeks, uh, it was really just too difficult for us to enable um, interlibrary holds right now. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. And then I think the last question that I have is we've had some patrons asking about how holds work. So they have stuff on holds from before you know, are they going to be receiving their items or how is that going to work? Yeah. So um, we do have um, quite a number of items that we've received in the last few weeks um, in the very minimal deliveries that we've um, gotten from from the library system. And um, there are holds. And those were basically holds that were activated or were filled before all the libraries closed. And so they're here. They came from other libraries. They're here for you. Um, 
we are absolutely going to honor those, especially now that we can give people the opportunity to come pick them up. So we're going to start checking those in and um, you won't get your normal hold shelf notifications um, because that that isn't kind of turned on, um, but you will hear from us. So we're going to check items in and reach out to people who have items already on our hold shelf um, to let you know that that we've activated it. And of course, if you no longer want it, you can just tell us, but um, we're, we're, we're thinking most people are going to want their items. So, um, so we'll be doing that. And I, I don't know how many we have, but um, we'll, we'll try to get through those. Okay. Yeah. And if your hold wasn't activated before the closure, I'm guessing that you'll just have to wait until everything reopens. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, we definitely know that we have some people who are waiting, who had holds on items that are here at Shorewood that are on our shelves right now and that they want to pick up here at Shorewood. So we can also mm -hmm. fill those holds. Um, mm -hmm. There aren't a ton of those, but we know that we have those already in the system. So we will work on filling those holds too. Um, and so that's going to be kind of it. So yeah, if you had, if you had a hold on something um, from before when everyone closed, you, you might not get it, but you might be surprised and you might get it. It just <laughs> depends on the circumstances. It's, a little bit uh, experimental right now. I'm sure everybody who gets the surprise will be very happy. Cause... Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> no one's like, like going to be mad, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. All right. Well, thank you very much for being on with us and explaining how this works. I'm sure we'll probably get some more questions as it goes along and people can always email questions to shorewood at mcfliss.org yep. um, and then they can always call us again. Uh, so yeah, was there anything else you wanted to add about curbside pickup? Um, I will add, since you mentioned emailing, you can absolutely email us questions um, to our Shorewood at mcfliss.org email address, um, but you can't email requests. We can only take phone requests right now. Um, again, that's kind of just to manage demand. We're going to have pretty minimal staffing um, so that we can keep everyone safe distance away from each other in the building and uh, minimize, you know, people who are traveling to work. So we can't take email requests, but definitely email us questions. Um, and maybe we can have a little like curbside chat every week on the podcast to give updates <laughs> if we if we need to. Um, to Sounds good. Mass information out there. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be getting you know people asking how to limit items to just Shorewood on the totally. county cat and mm -hmm. things like that. So yeah. we yeah. can definitely help you with that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on, Emily. Cool. All right. Thanks, Lisa. From the stacks. So I have a special guest here today, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hi, my name is Carolyn Curran, and I am a circulation clerk at the Shorewood Public Library, um, which is how I know Lisa. Um, I've been working there for two and a half years, and I am a longtime reader and enjoyer of books, being an English major several times over, a former English teacher turned theater teacher, and happy to talk about books. Yeah, you're also a Shorewood resident, right? Yes, I moved to Shorewood 22 years ago. So, what have you been reading lately, Carolyn? Recently, I finished two different nonfiction books, which I got from the Lucky Day shelf at the library. Um, one of them is written by a psychotherapist. Her name is Lori Gottlieb, and it's called um, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. And the other book is by uh, Malcolm Gladwell. And it's called Talking to Strangers. Cool. Could you give us a brief description of those? How about we start with the Gottlieb book? Yes. So Lori Gottlieb's book is kind of three things. Um, it's 
anecdotal information about her life and how she became a therapist. Um, it's also uh, stories of her work as a therapist and various patients. And she goes through um, the therapy experience that she had with some particular patients. And she protects their identity. Um, it gives you a sense of you know, what they were working on in therapy. Um, and then the third part of the book is herself as a patient and her therapist and what she explored as a patient. So what made you pick this book up? Um, I found the cover and the title really appealing. It just looked like something that was going to be very personal. Um, and I really like uh, personal narrative. I like memoirs a lot. I got on a kick of reading memoirs when I started working at the library and saw them so frequently in the new nonfiction section, which the clerks at the front desk often straighten up and also on the lucky day shelf. Um, and it seemed like it would have a memoir feel about it. Um, and then I recently got into a book club that had selected this as their um, April read. And so I decided to pick it up. Yeah, you mentioned that your book club was going to be on Zoom. How did that go? Yes. So um, that sadly, that went very, very poorly. <laughs> I've never... I've never done Zoom before, and I have an older MacBook Pro, and I have a feeling it had more to do with um, my technology than Zoom itself. It seemed like most of the members, I, there were 14 people attending, and most of them were on an iPad, um, but my screen kept freezing and my audio kept going in and out, um, so I had to leave it and didn't, I didn't spend the whole evening in the book club because of the technical problems but I'm pretty sure that was just me. Yeah, it's interesting because some of these new technical tools that we have available seem to work really well and some not so well, but I guess we just have to try what we can, right? Yeah, I've been on um, Google Hangouts um, playing a trivia game every Sunday night with the neighbors. Um, there's about eight households on it and that's worked great. So I was dismayed that this group, that Zoom for me did not work because my Google Hangouts experience has been very positive. Cool. So is there any uh, particular anecdote that from the book that you really like? Yes. Yeah, so um, the thing that I liked uh, stuck out to me the most, I guess, is after college, um, she st found herself being an assistant in uh, the television industry out in uh, Los Angeles because she just was thought that she would get interested in um, writing and script writing, screenwriting, because she was an English major and really liked stories as a college person. So she found herself an assistant to someone um, at a studio in Los Angeles and was on the set when they picked the cast for ER and George Clooney became George Clooney. Um, and because of her interest and background, she got herself elevated, not really to a writer for the show, but she was often consulted and had a hand in the writings of the show. That is really cool. Um, isn't that cool? Um, and she also was in the room when they auditioned uh, the cast members of Friends. That would have been interesting, I'm sure. Yeah. So uh, I just found her her tale of her beginning job after college, which clearly was an extremely interesting one, but how she went from that through various stages in her life to be the person that she is now. So what format did you read this book in? Was it a physical copy or did you read an ebook? Um, I, I read a hardcover copy of the book. I'm, 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 an ebook is not so much a thing for me. I really like holding the book in my hand. I like, I like to feel it. I like the smell of it. I like the tactile experience of that. 
totally understandable. So let's move on to the Malcolm Gladwell book. Uh, tell us what that one was about. Yeah, so that book was fascinating. So um, I'm familiar with Malcolm Gladwell from, you know, looking at, uh, you know, the New Yorker that he writes for a lot and, and the Times and whatnot. Um, and he has so many titles. But I recently um, got exposed to him through a podcast, uh, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. He was one of the guests. Um, and he talked about this book, Talking to Strangers. And this book had also passed through my hands many times in the library because so many people were checking it out. And then I saw it on the Lucky Day shelf as well. So that led me to pick it up, flip through it and read a chapter kind of randomly. And that drew me in. So then I checked it out and read it and I just found it a fascinating study of how we stereotype people, how we believe stereotypes inaccurately depict people, but also how we... <laughs> lean on them for our information and our information is almost always inaccurate. Yeah, I was reading the description and it did sound really interesting. Could you repeat the name of the podcast that you heard about it on? You got a little garbled there. So the podcast where I learned about Malcolm Gladwell's book is um, the comedian Conan O'Brien and it's called Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. That sounds like fun. I used to love watching Conan O'Brien. I didn't know he had a podcast now. He's in his second season of it now. So what was your biggest takeaway from the book? Was there anything in particular you didn't know before that you felt that you learned from it? Um, yeah. So something that fascinated me is how much we depend on um, facial expression and body language to determine whether we think someone is genuine or not, and how so many studies from sociologists show that we do this as human beings and we are almost always wrong, yet we rely on this when things are very critical. Um, and he looks at cases of, you know, people who committed, you know, terrible crimes like Jerry Sandusky um, and the Bernie Madoff case, um, the, um, the murder involving the girl Amanda Knox, who was innocent, but, you know, presumed so guilty for so long. And that all of uh, we draw all these very inaccurate conclusions based on how we stereotype our perception of people. And even though it's always wrong, we continue to do this again and again. Yeah, I remember going to a training on communication and the presenter said something like only 7% of communication is verbal and the rest is all body language and tone, which is just amazing. It is. And kind of connecting this to the other book I read, um, Lori Gottlieb, uh, you know, I said in early in her career, she met the cast of Friends because she was in the room when they auditioned for that show. Um, so there's also a reference to a particular Friends episode in this book. There's a um, sociologist who studies the facial expressions in a particular scene, and they describe, um, you know, the character Ross when he discovers his sister is dating Chandler and all the facial expressions he has and how those kinds of facial expressions are what we identify with in expressing surprise and anger and then, you know, happiness, but how they are incorrect in real life. But when we see that in a character in TVs and in, and in the movies, we respond to that as, yes, that's what sadness looks like. That's what anger looks like. That's what, you know, untruth looks like. And that's what truth looks like. But in real life, that's not how it works. Yeah, a lot of people have different expressions on their face when they feel those emotions, because not everybody expresses emotion the same way. So, it's just, it's so interesting. 
Yeah, and then they talk about this one sociologist who um, went to this South Pacific Island, you know, uh, indigenous community, um, and in some cases found that there are just typical ways that human beings express certain emotions, but um, other ones, not at all. Yeah, that's really cool. Was there anything else you learned about on Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend? You know, the thing I love the most about that is, you know, while he's he's incredibly funny, <laughs> um, but it's not so much, um, you know, him just being funny and the celebrities he interviews. He he always is so very uh, personal and genuine and exposing of himself and his what he perceives to be, you know, his flaws and how he wants to connect with other people, especially in um, who are in high profile, you know, kinds of lives and how they've experienced success and what sort of personal foibles, you know, get in their way. Um, I just find that really interesting and engaging. He's so easy to relate to and connect with. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. So, Carolyn, as we wrap up National Library Week, what are some things you miss about the library as a patron or as an employee? You know, what I miss most about the library is seeing the people and talking to strangers who are not so much strangers um, because, you know, they're people we, some people we see so frequently that they become part of the fabric of our lives. But I really miss the being at the desk and the interacting with people um, just chatting about, you know, little things in your life, uh, little anecdotes that come up when you're checking out a, a book and maybe you say something about, you know, that book and then they say something else. And that leads to this whole other personal interaction that has nothing to do with that book. It's just connecting with other people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I miss that a lot, too. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about the books you've been reading with us, Carolyn. Yes, it's great to talk to you, too, Lisa. And thanks for doing this. If you are interested in reading some of the books that Carolyn was talking about, uh, either Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell, or maybe You Should Talk to Somebody by Laurie Gottlieb, both of them are available in physical format at the Shorewood Public Library, and they are also available on Libby. It looks like Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell is available as both an audio and an ebook on Libby, and Maybe You Should Talk to Somebody is available just as an ebook on Libby. Virtual Events Art Cart Online We know you miss our weekly art cart, and we miss you. Every Wednesday, Miss Susan posts instructions for fun art projects you can make at home. Check our calendar and social media pages for instructions. Join New York Times bestselling author Kelly Yang on Instagram Live, at HK every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 2 to 2.30 p.m. CST for free online writing classes for teens. Virtual book fests are continuing this week, so check out our blog at shorewoodlibrary.org for more information. This podcast is available for streaming on iTunes, Spotify, and Podbean. If you have any questions or comments for the hosts, email us at shorewoodstacks at gmail.com. Until next week, thanks for listening, and be well. The Shorewood Stacks is produced by Lisa Quintero and Nick Barron with music by Kevin McLeod. The title of this song is Ice Flow and can be found on incompetech.com.